0: Hey everyone, this is Isaac Maddox, and I'm the pastor of Activate Church, and this is our podcast. Remember, you can subscribe to our podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. I hope this message blesses you, encourages you, builds your faith, and I hope you enjoy the message. That's good. That's good. They told me to wait because they wanted to put some stuff afterwards, and uh, we're just figuring it all out. Life is communication. Amen. It's, it's, the, it's the lifeblood. I forgot to check my zipper. If I, Okay, zipper's down. Good. I'm off my routine this morning. Man, me and Ben were upstairs talking about all kinds of stuff. Not the gospel stuff. Political stuff. And uh, it was just, yeah, throwing off my game. Jesus. I missed the pre-show. I did. But we're in church. We're here. And uh, the glory is with us. Yes. And uh, man, thank you worship team and uh thank you church my gosh I love you I love you I love this church I love you do you love me thank you stop it oh I don't want to like manipulate this situation thank you for loving I love you man Sean bringing the gospel in the tithe message like every once in a while you got to do that and uh just be reminded why we give and it is it is for people amen it is oftentimes a sacrifice and it is for people and uh yeah just love Sean and Love Emily and love Jared. I mean, just so much love. We're on a love series. We're on a love series. So hopefully there's lots of love. And uh, don't beg for love, Katie. Come on. You don't beg for love. Just it's giving and receiving. I love my sister. How many love my sister? Amen. Oh, there's there's the love. There's the love. There's the love. Just don't ask for more. Amen. For a while. Just for a while. Just for a while. Um, It's good to be in church. We're on a series called I Am the disciple whom Jesus loved. And I feel like a novice because the problem is I stepped into some scripture that was above my pay grade. And I thought I could just dip my toe into the transfiguration and end this series, but uh, oh, was I wrong. Um, So we got a few more weeks um, in this series. So the transfiguration, I just, again it just I went back to Bible college on this one yes lord yes lord and and so there's a lot there so we're going to we're going to dive into that but If you haven't been around or if you're tuning in and it's, what is this, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loves. John refers to himself as that in the book of John. Uh, I'm I'm the disciple. It doesn't say his own name. And so it's the statement we're looking at. It's the life of John we're looking at, really. Sort of unconventional, not systematic. Uh, But that's the book of John. Um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic gospels because there's this outline and there's this similarity. Then all of a sudden, John comes along and breaks all the rules and just writes this book with no real framework. And 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 when you dive into John, you realize some of this just symbolizes love. That Jesus is love, and he gave us one commandment, which was to love one another. Which was that was his one commandment. to to love one another, and then John picks his youngest disciple, his earliest disciple, and then the oldest disciple, the, the only disciple dying of natural causes around 94, 95. So John is just the last eyewitness of Jesus. John was at the baptism. John was at the cross, the only disciple at the cross. So when you look at John, it's this whole, and then he's this love guy. He's just, 1 John, 2 John, just cruise through 1 John, Second John, and 3 John. And he's just repetitive, almost annoyingly about love. And then you start to discover that his first mentor was John the Baptist. He was a disciple of John the Baptist before he was a disciple of Jesus. And John the Baptist was all like, no, less of me, more of him. And it's not false humility. There's just like this thing that they caught that was literally to deflect and reflect everything to Jesus. And then they just walked around annoyingly telling everyone to love one another. And then saying that's what Jesus said, he said just said to love one another, that that fulfills the law and the prophets was love. And, And then the hippies and then Buddhists and then the crystal people come along and they talk about love. And so the church loses its power on love and we just think that love isn't what we all need and yet it is. And so anyways, we're looking at John. John said, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loves. And I think that that is... The cry of our heart, to be the disciple whom Jesus loves. I want you to feel loved by Jesus. I want you to feel loved by me. I want you to feel loved this morning. Leave this place loved. Amen. Amen. Leave this place loved because you cannot love if you are not loved. So that's like, I, I love him because he first loved me. Let those scriptures open up. Let them become so real about falling in love with Jesus today. And again and again, more love. I didn't understand, as a youth pastor, like, this is just, be, can I be honest for a second? Is that cool? Yeah. This is a safe place? Okay, kind of. Um, and, like, I was a youth pastor. I was married. I didn't have kids. And, and, and someone would lose a kid, right? And I'd be like, "Well, you can have another one, right? I didn't say that, but I was thinking in my mind, like, you know, parents, would, a son or daughter would die. I shouldn't even say this. This sounds horrible. But I didn't have kids yet. And then I was like, but when someone lost a spouse, I was, I was like, oh, that's the end of the world, but then I had kids. I shouldn't have said all that. My my my, my point is you <laughs> stick to the script. This is why I just stick to my notes. Um is your love like love expands. You have like one kid, and it's not like I love them more than my wife. It's different. Then you have another son and you love them, right? And and of course I love Trent more. No. You, 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 it's different. And then and then if they die like you die. Like one of them dying is like the worst thing ever. And this is just going downhill. The point is love. <laughs> There's something about rambling stories here today. It's just like, yeah, this is a little insight into my thinkings. Anyways, I am the disciple whom Jesus loved. This Thursday night, come hang out with me. If you've never done membership, which is really our welcome dessert, come on out, hear the story of our church. Let me ramble a little bit through some scriptures and, and uh, join the church. Come check it out. Join a team. Um, we really help us help people come out of lockdown, come out of this year. Uh, there's many people that still can't come back to church. They're online. We love you. We love you. And, uh, but as the course of this, uh, this year takes its course, Um, we will, uh, need to rebuild and build the teams up more, and so come out and help us do church, amen? Amen. All right, let's get to the word. You guys are like, please, shut up and get to the word, amen. All right, transfiguration, I want to, oh my goodness, this, this portion of scripture, again, I didn't know, I thought I was dipping into a kiddie pool to kind of end, and I didn't realize I jumped into Lake Tahoe here, um... Just one of the deepest lakes, um, and it's oh, how do we preach this? It's it's like Christmas is not Christmas without Christmas Eve, but Christmas is still the point. Like food is still awesome, but without hunger, what is it? I know I came I came really shallow with philosophy here this morning. I I. This is We don't have a transfiguration without the road to the transfiguration. So context is everything, right? And it's not that you need love in order to be loved, because love is awesome all by itself, but there seems to be this, this thing called desire, called life, that God gives. And I really believe as we unlock the transfiguration, that will unlock... Something that will break depression and break fear and break loneliness and break something over your life. It's not that the thing that you're dealing with doesn't matter or isn't important on hitting it head on because it might be. But oftentimes there's a cause and effect. And and, and there's something about life. When you encounter life that, that it seems to uh, take care of a lot of different things. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so... Yeah. If you're hungry today, good or bad, enjoy it. And you're like, well, hold on. I'm, I'm hungry for a husband, a wife. I'm hungry for a child. I'm hungry for healing. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> There's something in that, that God's going to use to show you what to eat and how to eat and how to take it. And it's a part of the journey. And this is what's so hard to preach. It's not like he's in the sin and he's in the dysfunction, but he's not scared of it. And he, he uses it. And there's, it's difficult to preach mystery. And that's why I felt like I stepped into something above my pay grade because it's like there's certain parts of Scripture that aren't meant to be highlighted. Enoch walked with God and then he didn't. It's like, boom, God took him. Like to preach Enoch is difficult because the Bible doesn't say a lot about Enoch. The transfiguration is not this large portion of Scripture, and yet it's deep. So, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> we gotta, we got we to gotta talk about the road to the transfiguration. So I want to preach this morning on get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. And yet he's referring to Peter. Get behind me, Satan. Matthew 16, verse 13. And when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Well, some say John the Baptist, and some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, and one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said, You are the Christ. You are the Christ. And Jesus said, Blessed are you. Blessed are you, Simon. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Or flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but, but my Father who is in heaven And I say to you that you're Peter. This is awesome. So he changes his name from Simon to Peter. Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. This is all about church. And the gates of of hell will not prevail against it. This is why we're church people. This is why we're church people. Because Jesus told us this is what he's building. This is what I'm about. I'm I'm building a group of people. Not a political organization. Not not some get-along club. uh, But it's my church. And and I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. The keys were not just given to Peter. They were given to the church. So you have keys. You have some keys. Amen? You can dangle your keys if you've got them. All right. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There there we go. There's some keys. Thanks, Mom. we got some keys. I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples, that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed. I want you to think about this story, not just a biblical story, but a story about a, a group of, of men that loved each other. Okay? This is, this, is, this is real. This really happened. And these dudes, they have love for each other. Okay? And so so Jesus is telling him he's going to die and be raised the third day. And so Peter takes him aside and begins to rebuke him and saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall happen to you. This shall not happen to you. But he turns to Peter and says, Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. For you are an offense to me. You are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus says to his disciples, after he tells them he has to die, he basically says, and you have to die. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it, a man, that he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And I believe he refers to the transfiguration at that moment. In chapter 17, it says, Now after six days, so we have, oh, we have this moment, this cataclysmic family feud, six days, then the transfiguration. This is why it's so difficult, because so much is going on. All right, you ready? I'll preach this this morning. Get behind me, Satan. You ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? All right. All right. All right. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for church. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. Let us see Jesus today. Like that song, the transfiguration says, let us see you. Let us behold you. God, we want to see you. 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 Lord, the very reason for life, you are the way, the truth, and the life. Wherever we are at today in our needs, we just pause them for a moment, Lord, to just look at you. And just receive from you. Fill this place with your spirit. Give us your word. Let everyone just experience and receive your love. God, this morning, let us be built up and encouraged today. Never the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So, Carrie and I were going to Australia. I think it's like 2011. And it was a big deal. We're taking our two little kids Juju and T-Boy to Australia and we'd sold everything. We kept our house, we were going to rent it out and I had a I had to get in the house ready for a renter. Everything was cool except I had a gopher. Now this now actually I don't even think it was a gopher. now forgive me if you're in pest control, I'm about to butcher probably a lot of animals here and but I was told it was not a mole or a gopher, but a vole. A vole. Now, what a vole does? Again, forgive me. This is this is you know, I'm gonna layman's terms here. The vole doesn't just like pop up and destroy your lawn with a big mound of dirt. It like comes up to the surface of the grass and tunnels on top, so it leaves you all these like lines plus a mound, and they come from the ground, so they're from hell. Amen. I hate go. One is tearing up my lawn right now. Oh my goodness. They are not in heaven. Amen. Gophers, voles. Oh. So this thing is tearing up my lawn before, and I'm trying to get my house ready to rent out, and I got this new little pretty lawn in the back, and it's just shredding it. And I'm genuinely praying about this, going, God, why would you let this happen? Like, I'm selling everything to go preach the gospel in Australia, and you're going to let this little satanic vole from hell come up and destroy your servant's lawn? I'm like, calm. And everything else, I'm serious. This is a true story. Everything else is coming together. And and yet, and I think we even had a renter at this point that had come and seen the beautiful lawn and was like, oh, it's so beautiful. And now it's not beautiful. Right? So I'm like, we might lose this renter, and this this is bad. And I'm genuinely praying. I'm genuinely in prayer. Like, God, you need to stop this. I pray about everything. I'm one of those people that prays about everything. I just, my theology is more prayers better than less prayer. So people are like, why do you pray for pocket spots? Because like 23% of the time it works. <laughs> right? If you never pray for one, there you go. No answers. Anyways, I, I, I guess I pray about everything. And so I'm like, God, kill the voles, kill the moles. By any other name, whatever it is, just kill it, you know. So I'm out I kid you not, I had a screwdriver in my pocket because I think I had just been tightening down a door handle And I'm praying, and I look out, and I see the ground moving. I felt like a warrior. (laughs) Something came on me, fresh anointing to kill. Now, I was on my stairs, and I'm not the smartest person, but I figured if I just run over there, it would hear me. It's in the ground. I've seen Tremors, the movie, amen. So you got to go. So I kid you not. I wish I had a movie of this. I, have, I pull out my screwdriver. I don't have a knife anywhere near me. My Rambo knife is in my closet. But I'm like, right? And I'm just going to, and it's still moving. I can just see it. And my heart is just, and I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how deep they are, but I can see it moving on the top of the grass. So I have my screwdriver and my left hand. And I leaped. And I think I probably looked like one of those warriors in a movie. I probably got like this high. Or it might have looked like this, you know, baby. But in my mind, man, I was like, Flying across, ripped my shirt. And I literally plunged it into the ground. And I don't know if I got it or not. But, man, I tell you, I can't, I don't even know. I mean, I just had like this... This adrenaline rush and this rage, and I slowly pulled it up out of the grass, and I got it. I I killed it. I killed it. He gave me the strength. I pulled up, and I'm like, I still can't believe that little claws and little, little little mouth, little satanic mouth, and I, just, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, babe, you know, I killed, I killed a gopher. I still can't believe I killed a vole, gopher, mole. you even tell the story, I'm like, that's pretty awesome. Um, so I kill it, and I felt like God gave me the victory, right? I made a little altar. I put it on the altar and burned it. No, I'm just kidding. I, like, I, felt, I felt victory. I felt, yeah, it's my God. I served the living God. And the next day... There was all kinds of continued activity by other <laughs> gophers and voles. And I genuinely was personally offended by God. And there's, there's, something, there's something about life that I guess intrigues me about God and how he chooses to interact with us. And like the moment I'm like, why would you let that happen? And then why, when I'm feeling really good... About you giving victory, God. The next day would it didn't matter. If I look at my life, and I know sometimes we go, well, we don't need to ask why, we don't need to figure out God. But but, but there, there's a category where I'm just like, like, but but really the why, <laughs> what what well, what what was that? Like like when when you're looking at how God's working, sometimes it is hindsight 2020. Sometimes it is you look back and you, and you go, oh, okay. And sometimes I'm still just like, no, I have no idea why God. Like, why would God allow a storm and the disciples on it and Jesus in the boat sleep? And he's like, hey, don't worry about it, you know, oh, you have a little faith. And, but still, when the storm is personal and there's things going on and you don't have hindsight 2020 and you're and you're like, man, what is God doing? Like, what is he? Because when you don't see hindsight 2020. And, and you're like, I don't see you working, God. Like, maybe you are. You're putting all things together for the good. I get it. Okay, fine. But 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 I, in these moments that I can't figure out what God is working, or it seems to be that God is working silently, if you've been in a long season where it seems like God is silent, I, I, I think the, the the greatest takeaway is that I don't even know if God, not that he plays with us, And not that he moves without purpose because he always has a purpose, He he doesn't play with us. He doesn't doesn't play games with us. He always has a purpose. But I am convinced there are some things that God is just for Him to know, or at least this side of heaven. He's not even asking us to have hindsight. Like your faith should not be in hindsight 2020. Your faith should not be in that you're going to get it one day. You might get it one day. You probably will get it one day. But you might never get some of the things that you've gone through. But what you do need to understand is that when you don't understand what God's working, at or what god's working through or what he's working out together is that he is always working in you he is always working in you I mean I, I sometimes think that God's just playing with me even though I know that maybe God doesn't do that but he's just doing the gophers he allows my car to be broke down and he allows things to be contradictory just to, just to just to just to give him an opportunity to work in me to test my attitude to test my faith i'm convinced that i'll never understand everything but i I, I do know That God is working in me. He is working in you. Whether you understand why the car broke down or, or why you didn't get the money or why the school didn't accept you or why you lost the job. There might be, God does not promise that you will understand everything that you go through. But what you can understand is that God is working in you. You are his workmanship. He is working in faith. He is working in attitude. He is working in focus. He is working in you. Someone said amen. Amen. Whether you understand it or not, whether I believe that God allowed me to kill the gopher or the next gophers were the devil, whatever it might be, all I know is that God is 100% committed to doing something in my life. That I I am the love of his life. That he is committed to working something out in my life. That no matter what you're at today, what is God working out in your life? Because he's working something in you, and it's good. He's working some sort of something in your life. And that's where our faith should be, is that God's working in me. God's working on me. God is committed to me. More than anything else. Now, of course, he's good, so he always wants to bless you. He always wants to take you somewhere. But life, it's not just that it doesn't turn out the way we thought, it just does not take the course I thought or prefer. That's true. That's true. Usually, most of the time ever. Yeah. And so then I've got to switch from playing CIA director with, oh, so that's the devil, that's God that's my past, and God's just like, just take it all together, and I'm just going to work it out in your life. I'm, I'm just, just, just have faith that God is working greater faith in your life today, that God is working greater strategy. He's working greater focus. He's working greater attitude. He's working greater heart. He's working in your life. It's easy to preach, difficult to live these guys are experiencing one of the hardest things they probably have ever experienced in this moment. Gopher story times a million. <laughs> like, what's happening? What's going on? This is the big family fight. This is the big family feud. It's heavy. It's dark. It's it. I think this moment feels like failure. It feels like falling. It feels like just be it, it's it's i guess it's a little bit of why it's a little bit of what it's a little bit of it's over see what we don't understand is that jesus introduced death to the situation and whenever death is introduced into the situation it changes everything death is the heaviest see sin brought in death so so death is really the enemy it, it it's really the thing that jesus defeated of course sin is defeated, and sin and death. And the hardest thing that we could ever go through is when we lose someone or the death of anything, really. And so when death is introduced, it sort of changes everything. So we kind of look past the fact, we look at this theologically, we don't look at this like it was a real story, it really happened, that when Jesus tells his best friends that he has to die, it's equivalent to someone telling you, I'm going to die. i got four months to live, but I'll see you in heaven. And the reason that equates is because heaven is abstract. Heaven is a different dimension. Heaven is something I can't relate to. Well, resurrection was not something they could relate to. It was a different dimension. And so when Jesus says, I'm going to die, that's about what it meant. Hey, guys, you know, I'm going to die. I'm going to die in a couple of months, but don't worry. I'll see you in heaven. All right? Come on, let's be happy here. That, you wouldn't be happy because you can't relate to that. You can't connect. To, it's, it's, if, of course, I believe in heaven. Yeah. Of, of course. But, but I can't understand it. I can't connect to it. And so when Jesus says, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, and I'm going to raise him the third day, they just heard that their rabbi, that their Lord, that their Savior, that their friend is going to die. That means it's over. As far as they understand it, as far as they can connect to it, it's over. This is it. And then Jesus says, and I want you to die. I want you to pick up your Roman crucifixion torture tool and follow me to death. And these guys are just like, what is happening? This, it's over? You just changed Simon's name to Peter. You just birthed the church. You gave us these keys, and now you're going to die. It's heavy. I, I think it's also equivalent to a divorce in the sense that a kid blames themselves. Yeah, if I could have been a better kid, maybe my parents wouldn't get divorced. So these disciples they are they're caught in this moment of death. They're like, man, maybe if we wouldn't have had, you know such a bad attitude if we would have had more faith then maybe my parents if i would have been a better kid maybe jesus wouldn't have to die and so they're feeling this this heavy failure what's going on now we view this see through 2000 years of church history this moment is happening to them right now it's abstract they don't understand it they're feeling it it's heavy there's failure there's rebuke there's 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 Peter being changed from Simon, which represents his past, he prophetically gets called, and then now Jesus calls him Satan. They're just spinning. They're just like, what? Is he Peter or is he Satan? (laughs) And we're talking about rebukes here. So that's why it's got this. This is the big one. You ever had the big family feud? The big one where everyone slams the doors and not talking to each other. We'll get to that. That's why it's six days. This is the big one. This is the big one. This is the, it's over. What, what? Jesus came. He healed everybody. He healed everybody. People were healed. People were saved. Demons were cast out. All this good stuff was happening. And then now, now he says he's going to die. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't understand it. I don't, I don't get it. This is, this is the big one. This is, this is, this is, we've failed. It's over. It's over. It's over. I think our greatest moments of failure happen when we genuinely try to help someone too. Some of our greatest hurt is when we go to help someone. And so I think genuinely Peter was, was, was trying to help Jesus through this moment. And that's what's so difficult is because when you finally get around to like doing something, you know, that you know you should do, when you spend maybe your whole life on trying to be somebody and do something, and when you, like, when you go and do it, it doesn't work. Like your whole life, you know you're selfish, and like you know you, know, you don't give people what they really need with, in love. And, but when you finally get around to doing it, and then it backfires that hurts cuz you're like you're not doing it out of impure motive you're not doing it selfishly you're not doing it to gain anything like when you get around to genuinely preaching the gospel like not just because you're in youth group and you're supposed to, but I mean when the word of God gets inside of you and you're like, I'm gonna start preaching the gospel. When you get a vision for church and you're like, man, I'm gonna get involved and, and somehow I'm gonna be a better husband. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start to be vulnerable. And you're like, that's it, man. You know, I, I'm, I'm getting my act together, right? I'm gonna plan a date night and I'm gonna, I'm gonna get the pasta and I'm gonna get the table. She's gonna come home to the candles and the flowers. And I went down to her little boutique and got the candle that she liked and got the little pairs of slippers she talked about, and then she walks in and just goes, sorry, I'm tired, and goes to bed. (laughs) This is what I'm talking about. When you finally, like, go after what you're called to do, and it backfires, and it it doesn't work. When when Peter is anointed and appointed and gifted, given the keys, and he wants to walk in this new anointing, it backfires. This is the type of hurt that's so confusing in life because when you finally get going and doing and being who you who you know God's called you to do and it doesn't seem to work. You're just trying to walk out and what God has for you and it doesn't seem to work. You've got all the faith in the world, but it's not working. The faith is not working. It's not working. That It's at that moment that you can hit the darkest part of your life. This is, this is setting up the trip. Peter, this is it. I mean, he hit rock bottom. I mean, he's out there using what God has given to him, and it's not working. Yeah. It's not working. There is nothing like knowing that you are doing the right thing, and it's not working. Yeah. Everybody you preach to says, shut up. Every person you invite to church doesn't come. Every person you pray for gets sicker. <laughs> you start giving, and you start becoming generous, and it, It's worse. It's worse. This is Peter. He's trying to help Jesus. He's just trying to help him. I just want to help. We have this identity crisis. We have this identity crisis. I'm Peter. I'm Simon. And I'm a little bit of Satan. (laughs) I have this identity crisis. See, we don't like complicated. I don't enjoy complicated. Complicated. I, I, I like my Noahs to build arcs but not get drunk. I, I, don't like my, I don't like my Noah. I like him holy. I like him righteous. I don't like him getting drunk and something weird happening with his family. I don't like complicated. I don't like my Abrahams sleeping with Hagar's and having Ishmael's. No, I like my Abrahams. I like my men of faith to be focused I like my men of faith to be uncomplicated, to be unwavered. I like my Abrahams to have their own sons with their own wives. Isaac, I think the Bible needs to be cleaned up a little bit. I like my Abrahams to have unwavering faith. I like my Davids to kill lions and bears, to kill Goliaths, to be worshiping warriors. I don't like my Davids sleeping with Bathshebas and killing their husbands. I don't like my Gideons. I don't like my Jephthahs, my Esthers, and my Ruths. I I, I would prefer to put them on a pedestal and see them pure as the driven snow, uncomplicated. I don't like the sinner and the saint to be so close. I'm not comfortable with it. I don't like my Jesus to have any bit of humanity. Now hear me, there was no sin in him. But he was a man that walked in sweat and there's this conflict that even the disciples were constantly trying to figure out. Is he God? Is he the Messiah? Because he's so human. We don't like our our humanity and our divinity all complicated up in each other's businesses. I I like my sinner about three years past there, and I like my saint right here. I like my sinner in the basement. Every once in a while I'll talk to you about him, just praying for him. But I want to show you my saint. I don't like my sinner and my saint so close together. But we're complicated. I mean, look at this. Even Jesus, he goes, but he turns to Peter. That's Peter. Peter. Get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me if you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. That's his Simon, his emotions, his past, his his soul. I don't like that I'm a Peter, I'm a Simon, and I'm Satan. I don't like it. I don't like it. I like about nine months between me and every sin. And I like to tell you about it. Yeah, it's been five years since I've done that. Good job, man. Now, that is a good job, but hear me. This is complicated. We don't like it. I like being generous. I don't like admitting with some things I'm stingy. I want to project something of faith. So the fact that this is even in the Bible is difficult. The Bible is full of messed up people preaching an unmessed up message about Jesus Christ. It's 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 complicated. <laughs> And so Peter's having an identity crisis. I called you, Peter. I, I called you out of being Simon, and I called you as Peter while I knew there was a little devil in you. And I knew that, that, that you would deny me three times. And I knew that you wouldn't be there for me in the garden. And I knew that you wouldn't be there at the cross and i and i knew that you would deny me in front of a little girl by a fire big bold peter Jesus is telling them, I called you from Simon into Peter while I knew there was still a lying, insecure, afraid person. You need to know that I call you unqualified. I call you while there's all kinds of insecurity and evil. I don't need you to get cleaned up because I'm the one that cleans you up. Peter, I call you while there's a little bit of broken. Now, come to me. You need to know. There's a little bit of Satan inside of you. As much as you don't want to admit it, as much as you don't want to admit it, there's a complication with your faith. Your faith and your fear, if you admit it, they're right there. That's what plagues you. And this is the work of grace because the enemy will come and say, see, you're not a person of faith. And Jesus says, Peter, get behind me, Satan. That's why on Sunday night you can feel like, "Woo! He's my provider. I'm gonna see a victory." And your wife's like, "Babe, look at all these bills." You're like, "I don't care. We got a victory." Then Monday morning you're like, "God, why have you forsaken me?" I kill a gopher. My my God is my provider. The battle is the Lord's. The next day there's eight new gophers. Lord, why? And God calls. Me, in my crazy, with my Simon, and with my Peter, and with my little Satan inside. Now, the good thing about God is he's saying what I'm calling you to is what matters most. I'm calling you Peter. That ought to give you encouragement today. That as crazy as you might be, there's not that big of a difference between the sinners and the saints, and I don't like that. I I thrive on feeling better than people. Especially if I visit prisons or if I go down to the homeless and I give them food. And, and of course, I'm compassionate. And, of course, I want to help them. But, man, when when God begins to move in my life and begins to show me, son, there's not that much difference between you and the murderer on death row. Because anything that you have is something that was given to you. (laughs) Peter. Peter. Satan. Satan. There should have been like three years between Jesus calling him Peter and Satan. But I think it's to show us not that much difference in regards to you. And what you need to know is it's not the Peter in you that's going to save you from the Satan in you. Yeah, see, that's what we do. I'm going to get all Petery and Rocky, and I'm going to defeat this evil and the insecurity in me. Don't worry, God, I got it. My faith is growing. And Jesus is like, No, Satan. Yeah. What? Get behind me, Satan. I called you Peter. I called you when you were Simon. I called you to be the Peter. I called you to build the church. I called you to use the keys. And I, I, the same God that called you into being a Peter is the same God that will drive out the Satan, that will drive out the evil, that will drive out the insecurity. I'm calling it out so I can heal. I'm revealing it so I can heal. I don't like that he reveals to heal. I want to conceal it. No, Jesus, I'm a saint. I'm a church planner. I've been to Africa. I've been to Japan. i preached the gospel. I've done a 40-day fast. Get behind me. Say no. Put that in the basement. Because see, every single time that, that something gets revealed in my life, an insecurity, a fear, some kind of weird thing, you know, I'm, 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 I'm dealing with social media right now. I, I have a love-hate relationship with it, but I'm understanding that God has asked me to serve him in my generation. Hear me. David served his own generation. I, I, I think I've been serving a previous generation that, that 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 goes to the town square and likes mailers and, and door hangers and, and little drive-by and little knocks. Hi, I'm your pastor. Hey, we have a church in your area. Would you like to come? David served his own generation. The new generation is on their phone. And so if I'm to go into all the world and preach the gospel, whatever platform it might be, listen, I don't like a lot of it, but I've got to figure out how to preach the gospel into where people's attention are and they happen to be on their phone so yeah we're trying to get creative because every time I get on social media someone says something crazy to me I show them a picture of my notes because I'm just trying to bring people in and say hey just a normal person there studying how you doing why don't you preach on that why don't you shut up why do you live there why'd you buy a house there why do you live so far in a town and it's I think some of it's innocent but you know what it is it just reveals the stuff, and God says, I'm revealing it. Quit blaming Facebook, quit blaming people, quit blaming whatever. Isaac, I called you, I called you as you were. There's a little bit of Simon in you. I'm calling you into your prophetic destiny. And I'm also the God that's not afraid of some of the evil and the lying and the insecurity and the dysfunction. I called you. He saved us when we were his enemies. He said, I'm not afraid of it. I'm bigger than it. I got to get it out of you. Satan, get behind me. I call it as it is so I can heal. So I can heal. Peter your motives are the same as Satan. So I call it as it is. Peter's having an identity crisis. He's like, that's mean. You just called me Peter and now you call me Satan. I reveal to heal. It's not fair. My name just got changed. They like call me Satan when I'm Simon. Call me Satan when I'm, I know I suck. But the first moment of hope, the first moment of faith, but Jesus goes, no, I need to show you the Satan in you because you'll start to rely on your own strength and think it's of you. It's not going to be the Peter in you that saves the Satan in you. It's going to be me me, me get behind me get behind me Peter because what happens is you're going to walk around and you're going to judge people you're going to judge people because you're better than the nine. you're no longer Simon, you're Peter so you're going to help people understand how you did it, well what I did to become Peter Peter Your first act as pastor was to rebuke me. (laughs) I set you in. I pray over you. I prophesy over you. I give you the gift. I give you the keys. I give you ministry. I give you anointing. I give you appointing. And your first act as pastor Peter is to rebuke somebody. (laughs) Your first act is one of judgment and we judge and rebuke people with words or actions body language can speak loud all you people justify yourself by not saying words but someone's saying something crazy at Thanksgiving dinner you're like, mmm, okay Okay. I don't know let's let's eat some pie (laughs) so you just rebuke them because you don't understand them now maybe they are mean and crazy I know I've judged people. I thought I was a Peter, but I'm talking like Satan. Because when we don't understand people, we don't maybe understand their journey and how they got there. We pull them aside and we use the anointing and the gifting to rebuke people and judge people we don't understand. And so Jesus is like, that's not the ministry of the cross, son. I anointed you for love. I didn't anoint you to become better or to judge or to criticize or to condemn the world. That's actually satanic love. It has an agenda, it manipulates, it controls, it pulls strings, it, it, it gets into the garden and begins to sow discord. It has an agenda. Jesus is saying, No, Peter, that's not Christ's love. Pick up your cross. I know you don't understand it, but this kind of love lays down its life for mankind. We don't preach the gospel to condemn. I came to seek and save the lost. Your first act as pastor was to rebuke, criticize, and judge. My first act as Savior as I touch down on the planet Earth is to die for humanity because love lays down its life. Pick up your cross, son. You're anointed to die. You're gifted to die. You're blessed to lay down your life for humanity. First thing you did was judge me. The first thing I'm going to do is die for people. That's love. That's love, Peter. You're anointed to love. You're gifted to preach grace. You're, You're blessed to help people. Not criticize those you don't understand. I mean, love. I could have all the faith that I could remove mountains, but I don't have love. I'm nothing. I could bestow all my goods to, the, to, the, to, the, to, the, to feed the poor. And though I, I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. Jesus is teaching Peter, Peter, your, 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 your motives are lined up as manipulation which is as witchcraft which is lined up to the plans of the enemy they come across all nice and sweet just like the the devil did in the garden you have an agenda and even if you think it's right love has no agenda except, except to lay down its life love suffers long and is kind Peter love does not envy it does not parade itself it's not puffed up Peter, I'm calling you. I want my church to represent the message. I want my church, I want the platform to represent love. My disciples will be known for love. I don't want you to use the anointing to feel better or look better than people. I want you to love. Love does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Where there's prophecies, they'll fail. Where there's tongues, they'll fail. Where there's knowledge, it'll vanish. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. Oh. You rebuke people you don't understand. And so when you, when you put that away, when you put childish understanding and childish ways, childish thinking, you can love. But besides that, it will always be about you. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. And now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. And now abide faith, hope, and love. These three things, but the greatest is love. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Love is to lay down your life. Love is to lay down your life. Peter, how come you didn't ask me a question? It's what you do in the void of understanding that determines your motive of, is this love or... Is it Satan? (laughs) Is it agenda-driven? Is it manipulation or is it love? Is it control or is it love? Is it pride or is it love? Is it selfishness or is it love? And so Jesus says, Peter, get behind me, Satan. Peter, maybe... When you don't understand, you could ask me a question. You could, you could, you could, you could, you could see what I'm doing here. You can see what's going on. You might not understand it, but I don't need you to step into the void and the mystery and presume and assume and take over. Get behind me. That is not of the kingdom. That is not of the kingdom. Because maybe Jesus would say, Peter, <laughs> Peter. Your, your agenda is lined up with the agenda of Satan and if you would have asked me would if you would have asked me, maybe I would have told you that I'm not just rebuking you because you're lined up with Satan I'm also because because, because, because maybe Jesus was actually rebuking Satan also. They just happened to be lined up because Jesus he's not here to play but he remembers when Satan tempted him in the wilderness to try to get him off course, to try to get him out of the plan. Maybe Jesus is sitting there going, get behind me, Satan. He is in his own mission, his own purpose, his own walk, and anything that comes into conflict with the very purpose is get behind me. Get behind me for you and also Satan. Get behind me because the devil did not want Jesus to go to the cross and rise from the dead. And so he got him in the wilderness after the baptism Holy Spirit takes him into the wilderness and the enemy is there and says hey if you're the son of God why don't you turn these stones to bread hey if you're the son of God why don't you throw yourself off of this cliff and the angels will get you. He's tempting them. He's tempting them. He's trying to throw them off. Trying to throw them off course. Hey, if you're the son of God, hey, why don't you worship me? And and Jesus says, it is written. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. You shall only worship the Lord your God and serve him only. It is written. It is written. It is written. Satan get behind me if anything that would come against me that takes me off of the course it is not of the kingdom of God it is the kingdom of darkness and maybe just Jesus was literally at that moment saying get behind me Satan I will not be deterred from the mission and the purpose of salvation and maybe Jesus was showing his disciples that anything that takes you off of the course and the purpose for your life is of the enemy and maybe Jesus was saying, You got to sometimes, like James said, stand, stand on the word, submit to God, and resist the devil. Every once in a while, you got to say, Get behind me, Satan. You are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of man. And oftentimes, the things of men are in line with the enemy. And you got to say, Get behind me. Every lie, every insecurity, every fear, get behind me. Every spirit of death, every infirmity, every fear, every depression, get behind me, Satan. I've got a purpose and a mission. I'm going to the cross. I was created and anointed and appointed to serve God. My life is in God's hands. The hairs of my head are counted, his hands upon me. I will live and not die. Get behind me, Satan. Every nightmare, every fear, every depression, every every, every worry, every anxiety, get behind me. Get behind me. Get behind me. Get behind me. Every thought of divorce, every loss, every death, every demon, every fear, get behind me. Get behind me. Maybe he was showing the disciples. Maybe he was showing the disciples. You got to be. You, you got to remember the word of God over your life. You got to remember the purpose. You got to remember the call. I don't need you to manipulate. I don't need you to get in the way. Just get behind me. And I want every lie to get behind me. I want everything that keeps me off mission to get behind me. I want every insecurity that tells me. I want every fear. I want to take every thought captive. Every manipulative gossip. Every every weird worry. Every anxiety my life is in the hands of God. Get behind me. Every loss, every guilt, every shame, get behind me. Get behind me. I'm going. I'm going. behind. me some more drums, Phil. Get behind me. Get behind me. Get behind me. What is it? What is it? What sickness? What lie? What sleepless night? Tell it to get behind forgiveness, get behind me. Every offense, get behind me. Every offense, every unfree. it's just going to keep me from my mission. But the enemy does not want you to forgive. The enemy does not want you to let go of your life. See, Jesus was ulti- ultimately talking about you got to let go of your life. You got to lay down your life. Get behind me. Every hurt, every offense, get behind me. Every lie, get behind me. You're not going to die outside of the time that God's going to allow. Spirit of death, get behind me. I'm a child of God. I will lay down my life for the purpose. I've not been promised 90 years. God knows. Well, you could get divorced and you could die because they did. Get behind me every every lie every spirit he is my healer even right now wherever you're sick in body just receive the spirit of god this morning we just ask for healing to come into this place. We ask the Holy Spirit to begin to move and to begin to heal every 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 spirit of infirmity. Get behind us in Jesus' name. We're behind Jesus. I'm behind him. I'm behind his word. I'm behind grace. Get behind me. Every debt, every offense, every worry, if you don't sleep at night, Get behind me. Whatever it is, get behind me. You're forgiven every guilt, every shame. Oh, get behind me. Get behind me. Get behind me. Get behind me in Jesus' name. I don't understand it, but I'm not God. And Jesus can do what he wants to do. But when he reveals something to me, when he reveals something through his word, get behind me. So I get behind him. Satan, get behind me. It hurts though. This is why I like, there was a part of me that wanted to preach this message. There's a part of me that just wanted to counsel through this message because it's so difficult. Why would you allow, (laughs) why would you even allow Satan to be there? His ways are not our ways. All I know all I know is that I'm behind Jesus, and he said, "Hey, I'm going to lose my life. But but I'm going to rise again. Lose your life. Lose your life. Quit holding on to it. Quit holding on to it. because he's about to do something in you through you that you could have never seen coming he is working in you he was working in Peter it didn't make sense he's working in you he's working in you say that to yourself. he's working in me he's working in me he's working in me through the loss and through the gains through all of it he's working in me He's working in me. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's working in me, showing me that he is my source. He is my healer. And he sees me as I am. He sees the Simon in me. He sees the Peter in me. He sees the evil in me. He sees the sin in me. And he says, I still could not love you more than I do right now i reveal some things so I can heal them. Just let me heal them. Yeah, but you don't know. I, I know. You don't know that the gopher is ripping up my lawn. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But why would you but why would you allow the car to break? Why would you allow that person to die? Why would you allow that? I know. <sighs> let me just reveal that so I can heal it. you, Jesus. Thank you for what you're revealing in our lives today, that you can heal it, that you can heal it, because you've got so much for us to do. There's so much life to be lived, but in these moments of darkness and failure and falling and loss, it's difficult to see, but you're in control. You're in control. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Hey, if you want some prayer, come on up here. We'll pray. Love you so much. I pray you're encouraged that wherever you're at, we're getting to the transfiguration. I just have to set this up that this is this is the context for what Jesus is about to do. There's been a family fight. It's bad. It's real bad. (laughs) And God's about to move. But take hope. Take faith. Look to him today. Because he is healing you and working in you like never before. Amen. Amen. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, we love you so much. Have an awesome week. If you'd like some prayer, come on up.